everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I am speaking with Joe Garza. Joe is a musician and a screenwriter and also a blogger. I've been reading some of the stuff he's been doing on Medium lately about um, woke, for the lack of a better term, in the arts. And also, I think you're you're one of the, or you've got an article that's doing really well in the woke feminist sphere or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, so like I said, I was reading a couple of things, a couple of your stuff on uh, Medium, but if you want to let people know a little bit about yourself and why you started doing the stuff you're doing on Medium and uh, go from there. All right, sounds good. So um, I have a background in music. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in, in music with an emphasis in, in guitar from Santa Clara University. Um, and after I graduated, because music was kind of, a, you know, it's not a very lucrative degree, um, I, got, I got a lot of jobs mostly in, in uh, content marketing. Um, and I got a job at a Silicon Valley startup and that's kind of where I really started to see a lot of this woke stuff. That was kind of like when, when I really started to, uh, you know, just see like this emphasis on diversity and inclusion. And at first, you know, it seems like these things seem like really good ideas where it's like, yeah, of course we want, you know, a variety of people from different places to work here. Yeah, sure. It sounds great. But then it starts creeping into, you know, we have too many white people here. We have a few too many men. And, and then you start kind of realizing it's kind of like ideological entrapment, a lot of these ideas. Um, and then I quit and uh, I moved down here to LA. I moved here in uh, July of this year. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of an aspiring screenwriter. Um, and also while I was down here, I started a medium publication called The Reckless Muse. Um, it's a small but but growing publication that's, that does a lot of um, pop culture commentary, um, a lot of how-to articles. And one of the things I wanted to do with The Reckless Muse was kind of provide a sort of almost like an IDW type of heterodox place for the arts, um, just kind of discussing ideas and, and, and various problems that are happening right now uh, in the arts and in pop culture that you don't really get too many other places. And I also thought Medium would be a good place to do it as opposed to doing my own blog um, because Medium is, is kind of taken over by a lot of like hyper-progressive um, writers. So I thought, oh, this would be a good place to just kind of, you know, kick the doors open and make myself at home amongst all these uh, uh, people who think that uh, white people are, uh, are, are, you know, all white people are racist. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A couple of quick things. You, yeah. you said you got a BA in music. When did you finish your undergrad? Uh, it was in 2011. So just before, a few years before a lot of the woke stuff really started taking over okay. universities. Okay. And then when did you start working for that startup? Um, let's see. I believe I started working in 2014 and then I quit in late 2018. No, no like I'm just trying to get up. I was away for about 13 years. Like I was in war zones and stuff. So I didn't, I didn't see this stuff until I came back really. Right. Right. Um, and then I, and I came back to Canada and, March 2014. Mm. So it was like, okay, was I the frog just thrown in the boiling water and everyone else was just sitting there? Because like I came back and I was like, okay, something's like right away, right. something's not right. Like it's just not right. Like I know Jonathan Haidt talks about 2013 is when you start seeing this stuff really going crazy in universities. So when you were doing your undergrad, how much of this kind of talk, not necessarily in your classes even, but like how much of this kind of talk was on the university? Did you hear a lot of it? Yeah, I didn't experience too much of it. Luckily, I was pretty politically disengaged at the time, so I just didn't really care. Um, okay. um, the university I went to at Santa Clara University, um, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's, it's definitely pretty regressive, like, like most universities. But I think also it, it, it might have been 
maybe didn't take over as much at that time because it's also a Catholic university. It's a, it's a Jesuit okay. university. So, so maybe there's a little bit more of a traditional element that was probably slowing down some of, some of these woke ideas from taking yeah. over. But there was still very much um, a sort of like, hey, you know, like we're all here uh, studying subjects to help better the world. Um, but it seemed a little more optimistic and, just, and, and not quite as ideologically constrictive at the time, you know, looking back on it. Um, I think one of the big things there that they were really into was just uh, a lot of environmental policies, a lot of, you know, going green, that sort, sort of thing. Okay. Um, a little bit of justice stuff, but even then, most of it was just kind of like, you know, there, there are countries where people are being persecuted, you know, we should travel there and help them. So it, it, it seemed a little bit better than, um, you know, uh, all men are toxic sort of thing. Yeah, or the, the thing in the New York Times that was out a couple of months back, uh, getting democracy to Hong Kong is another form of colonization. So much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah like that, that's uh, okay. But you know, you mentioned the Jesuits. Like, you know, yeah. One thing I will say about the Jesuits is they know how to run a school. They know how to educate people. Like Jesuits yeah, are yeah. good at that. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's just cause like I'm ever since I came back, I thought, like I said, I just said something's gone wrong. I was just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I look at the timeline, a lot of this, you know, social justice stuff, the, yeah. the the woke stuff. And like the intersectional framework came on it around the early nineties. And that's when you started getting it in universities. Like, so that's when you got it into the sociology courses, like the, the race courses, African-American studies, intersectional yeah. femi- feminism, obviously and things like that. <clears throat> so these people, people were taking that graduated with PhDs late nineties, early two thousands. And that's when they would, okay, you got a PhD, you get out. Okay, you got Bush come in in 2000, you know, 9-11 happened. Mm. You know, Islamophobia, the United States is racist. Uh, so they hire people to tackle racism. You're going to go, you need a chemist, you're going to go get a PhD in chemistry. Yeah, yeah. You need a guy, you, you want to, the Bush government wants to set up a racism thing. They're going to go, you know, PhDs in sociology with a focus on, african-american studies or critical race studies or you know uh stuff for uh pushing feminist rights you'll get intersectional feminists and And then around 2010 is when i can see the earliest of this in high schools Mm. okay in some high schools in the united states so that's why i was trying to get out like how how heavy it was it in your school if you look at like what height says and you can kind of see it Mm. when it starts really going crazy in universities 2013 but if you had people in high schools in 2010 yeah getting a basis of this mm. coming into universities, you already have a percentage of people who want to be activists. Yeah. Yeah. Then they start, you know, they'll start going for these clubs or whatever. So you already have, you know, let's say normally it's 1% of the university, you know, incoming university population. That's going to go, go towards activism. Yeah. Now with all this, you, it, it doubles to 2%. It's still not a lot, but the, the number mm. is doubled. So you just start seeing more and more of it. Yeah. And also, by about 2010, these people came in 2000 as university administrators, mm. as you know, civil servants, uh, pu- you know, public policy administrators, things like that. Yeah, yeah. They've been in there 10 years. They've hired more people like them. So the whole administration ends of it changes. Like a lot of people talk about the university professors, and I'm you know, I'm not discounting professors and stuff, but sure. I mean, it's getting into STEM because of the administration. It's getting mm-hmm. into you know finance and commerce and because of administration like oh you need more diversity in your department yeah so, so when you get out like so you got out of university in 2011 mm. three years later you're working for this place now did you when you get out 
and you're coming here i like because i just i'm just trying like i'm just still trying to get that timeline in my head straightened out right right so when, when you when you got out in 2011 like did you see the build-up up to 2014 or when you started working at that startup was that kind of like a culture shock for you it was definitely at at the startup that i see, started seeing more of this um between 2011 and 2014 i was just kind of working various odd jobs um just trying to you know uh, tried a few different uh, positions and then and see where these went so it was in 2014 i started working at this company and even then i didn't notice too much of it maybe i just wasn't paying much attention to it um but probably about it was probably more like in 2015 that I started seeing more of a push for diversity and inclusion and really seeing this um, not just at the, at the company, but, but seeing it in Silicon Valley um, as a whole. And then, and, and then eventually our, our company started to, 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 to buy more into it. Or and then, even then, I, I hesitate to say the company itself because I think the, the, the CEO and, and, and his partner, they, were, they seemed kind of agnostic with a lot of these ideas. They were just kind of like, yeah, we just want to run a good company. Uh, yeah, okay, we can do this thing to get to hire more women. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was around 2015 and 16 that I really started to notice like, whoa, this is starting to get a little kind of extreme. And I say this as someone who's kind of an old school liberal, like I'm kind of, I'm at least like a moderate left leaning guy. Um, but he was, it was getting weird even for me. And it was right around, you know, the, the election and, and the rise of the IDW. And I started listening more to the Weinstein brothers and, and Sam Harris and, and guys like that. Um, and just kind of, then I started like, wow, like this whole diversity and inclusion thing, like what's the, you know, like I understand the importance of, you know, doing away with discriminatory practices and, and leveling the playing field, yeah. but um, wh wh why do we need to hire people? Like wh why, why is it like when a company is, in, in particular a tech company that has more men than women, like why do we need to um, uh, take the, the outcomes and then start flattening out the outcomes. Like, why do we need to do this? And, and I was also noticing just how diversity and inclusion were just like these vague buzzwords that were just being tossed around, but I could never get like a clear answer about yeah. what they actually meant. I want, I want to talk about the arts because sure. I'll take something recent right now. So you had yeah. Scarlett Johansson being lambasted for she's going to portray a trans woman or yeah. a trans person. I don't know if it's a trans woman, tra but right, you know, right. so she's going to portray someone's trans. Oh, she's cis. How dare she? You know, and then she apologizes, like the, 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 the whole rigmarole, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, Elliot Page was Ellen. Now it's Elliot. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I just did a huge transgression there by the <laughs> like, like, right, right. Juno was a really good movie. I liked mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or the the Umbrella Academy. Mm. The character's lesbian. Now, there was all this freaking out about scarlett johansson yeah now if elliot was always elliot elliot was always a man mm. now you have a you have a lesbian you have a trans person playing a lesbian character yeah just yeah. lesbian character like the contradictions like how how are you supposed to do art that way i yeah. you know i you know i have no problem with idris ilba playing james bond yeah i, no. I have i have no problem reinterpretations of a lot of things yeah now, okay, if you take if you're doing a historical drama and you're taking uh, George Washington and you cast a Pakistani person as George Washington, yeah, I might question the accuracy <laughs> of your historical drama. But if you're just doing some weird fiction, yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It. Um. I. I think that the intent of the work needs to be taken into account. But of course, we're living in this era where intent doesn't matter. It's the outcome. Uh, it's like no, no, no. Like you know. And I completely agree with you where if somebody's doing like a weird historical fiction take on something, then it's like, yeah, cool, whatever, go nuts. Um, but when you have a, a, a film that's trying to, in its own mind, try to 
accurately portray what happened. And it's like, okay, then you should be as historically accurate as possible, regardless of where it takes place or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, like, like I can see a movie being made uh, in Sweden and then people criticizing the lack of diversity. And it's like, yeah, but Sweden is mostly white. Like, what do you expect? And, but it also goes the other way too. So there's that, um, that Netflix um, Marvel TV show, uh, Luke Cage, which was filmed and, and it took place in Harlem, New York City. And people were criticizing the lack of diversity on the show. And it's like, yeah, but Harlem is mostly black. Like, wh- wh- why are you complaining about this? Like, it's, it makes sense that the, most of the cast is black. Like, what do you... <laughs> so, yeah, so, so that, that's the thing about, about the rules. And this is why I'm so critical of these rules when they start getting to the arts. It's like, none of them make sense. They just contradict each other. But I think intersectionality is actually kind of a good way of describing it because you have all these, you, you do have like, like, like these roads going different ways and all these ideas are just crashing into each other at the same time. So it's like, yeah, actually intersectionality kind of makes sense in that regard. Okay. Like the young adult fiction is the one I'm seeing. I think it's the worst because, oh, yeah. Hey, okay. The people who are writing this, you know, they're, they're young. Yeah. Um, so they might not be able to deal with all these attacks as well as let's say someone like Stephen King, who's been writing for a long time. You know, yeah, exactly. Oh, you can't write about that character because you're not, that right yeah that's the whole point of writing isn't it i mean that's the whole point of creating something is just your imagination like truman capote was not a serial killer yeah exactly (laughs) if if you're if you're writing fiction every single character you write is not you Uh, and but but that's one of the beauties of 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 being a writer is that you can um you can dive into the mind of people who aren't you and you can be like oh like what's it like being a person of from a different culture, living in a different time, living in the future or in the past or in an alternate timeline or, or whose, whose face challenges that I haven't expect, I haven't faced. Like, what's that like? Um, so, I mean, that, there, there's just so much beauty to be had there. Um, and it's being shuffled away simply because the identities don't quite match up. It was, okay, it was a black character as a black actress going to be playing it, but because she was lighter skinned mm. than the actual person, yeah. There was a big uproar. Really? That's, that's where we're at now. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, 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 you know, like the, when you go to a hardware store, a, a hardware store and they have like those, those things that like the paint things that you, that you can paint your room. So it's like, yeah. like are we start hold, are we start holding that up to actors now? Like, Oh, you're, you're a couple shades off. Like you, you're not quite qualified for this role. It's getting ridiculous, man. That skin color matters so much. And, it, and, 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 and again, like, like I would understand it if, you know, I'm making a film about, a black historical figure. So I want a black person to play this character. So it's like, okay, yeah, fair enough. But, but now it's getting to the point now where if they're, you know, if they're not dark enough, then they're not qualified. And that's, that's, uh, I mean, that's just such an unnecessary rule to place on art. Take Hamilton. Now I haven't seen no. it. I, mm-hmm. you know, it was lauded, but then some people said, okay, it was a little hackneyed or whatever, but there's yeah. not one thing about Lin Emanuel, you know, like uh, I forget, I think it's what Lin Emanuel Miranda or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. Like, I, now, one thing about, you know, he's playing Hamilton. Yeah. Because, I'm, you know, from what I understand, he did a good job. Yeah. You know, I, I bring that up because, okay, I went and saw, a friend of mine did some performance art here in Montreal. She said, can you come and see it? And I was like, okay, I'll go. You know, so friend, go. Everyone there was of this, you know, intersectional bent. Yeah. And after she did her performance, there was a Q&A. What the art was trying to say or anything like that, it was right. every single question was not about out of a, maybe a 30 minute performance. Oh, in this five seconds, you did this, this way, you know, complete deconstruction of the whole thing. Yeah. A, if you're going to go see something like Hamilton and you enjoy yeah. it, you, okay. There's going to be parts you like parts. You don't, you can discuss that, but yeah. you know, minute five, if you deconstruct it down to every second, 
yeah. and you're doing that while you're watching. Okay, for me, art's about the enjoyment. And now I understand this is a very personal thing, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's got to speak to you in some way. I mean, it, it could be a very, you know, it could be a sad play, sad movie that makes you cry, but there's still an enjoyment to it. There's still, yeah, yeah. Um, it's about that, but like this complete deconstruction, you know, it's, it's like you take a stew and you break it apart to all its ingredients and say, and you put it on someone's plate, go, here you go. Here's your stew. It's yeah. No, it's not. Right. Right. Like, like, like how do people in the field talk about it? Cause I mean, there, there's obviously, you know, two sides all the time here, but yeah, but you're, you're constantly just seeing the one side of it. Oh, you can't play this character. Oh, I apologize for doing this or like, you know, like, so like behind closed doors or whatever, like, right. What do you hear? Or what you- um, so uh, there's an author who uh, uh, I interact with on Twitter. Um, he would probably be okay with me mentioning his name, but I'll, I'll keep it anonymous yeah. for now. Um, but but he, he's an author as well as a, a college professor. And he told me that the students that he's teaching, that even though most of them are pretty critical of all this woke stuff, um, even they are afraid um, of writing something of publishing something that goes against the grain. And it's like, it, that's terrible because these are 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, you know, when you're young and you think you know everything and you're fearless and you're to do all kinds of crazy things, even they're afraid to put words out into the world. Um, so one thing that I, I want to see more artists and, and, and creators do is um, one, they need to realize that no matter what you do to appease the woke mob, it will never be good enough. So one of the points I wanted to make uh, about, about the thing about uh, a black actress not being dark enough is that, so, you know, it seems like it's a good thing. What they did in their own minds was a good thing. We cast a black woman in this role. Okay, cool. But then people are complaining because she wasn't dark enough. So it's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cast a darker female uh, role, uh, a character for the role. But then they're going to complain because she wasn't lesbian enough or she wasn't trans enough. So it's like, you know, we're letting too many um, cooks ruin the dish here. Um, and, you know, like no good dish can come out of, uh, you know, 2000 cooks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, this, this whole thing about, again, I still don't get it. I mean, no. I, first of all, okay, I want to watch when I'm watching something I, and I don't have no problem with, you know, stories, movies, books, anything with a message. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's art conveys message anyways, but you know, I want to watch something for a couple hours that can, you know, it, it's an, it's escapism art exactly. one way or another is an escapism. And it's, I'm watching mm-hmm. a movie. It could be about something that happened. It could be about, you know, something like, uh, whatever. I mean, it could be about something that happened that I experienced or whatever, but it still distracts you from what's going on. And yeah. like, I'm afraid like the, so you've got this coming through the arts, but I'm afraid that the way people are being taught, that's the way they're being taught to look at everything. Yeah. So that after a while, that's going to be what's going to be normal. And completely, this is yo, an N of one. This is one anecdote. But yeah. this was two years ago. A buddy of mine was telling me this. So he was taking his son Halloween, like shopping for Halloween costumes. And hmm. I think his son was six or seven a couple of years ago. Hmm. And he said there were, couple of dads with their kids and their kids were a little bit older than his son. And when their dads went to grab costumes, like these other, one of the other kids said, I can't wear that. That's offensive. The kids like, you know, my buddy was saying the kids were about nine or 10. Yeah. Now, obviously you don't want to like put the kid in a KKK outfit or right, right. That. <laughs> I understand. But if you got a white son and your white son wants to go as Pocahontas, mm. what's the fucking big deal? 
Yeah. Like, you know, this idea of you could, like, if you're starting them that young, like, if kids that young are thinking that they can't make believe, like, whatever, a, a little white kid can't make believe he's Pocahontas if he wants to, or a little black girl can't make believe she's Superman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you're stunting imagination. So the more I look into this stuff, the more I'm worried about is where it's coming from and the edge, like, like now I see it in K through 12, just about everywhere I'm looking in the States and it's, it's spreading in Canada as well. In Canada, uh, the race stuff was in three provinces and there was a little bit, a few others, but recently with our bills on gender, the gender stuff is coming in through all provinces now. Oh, geez. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, but like it's, it's, so it, to me, that's like, okay, you're, if you're starting them off that young, yeah. by the time they get to high school, they're going to be in it already a certain percentage then you know more are going to get indoctrinated in high school then you get to college and it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse so like i like i know what you're doing you're trying to put an exposure on it i'm trying to put like i'm i'm doing my little thing of like okay let's get exposing on it but at one point or another there has to be some pushback to get this out of like education at the very least like it shouldn't be in k through 12 like i don't want kids to be too afraid to imagine themselves something else i mean like you also kill empathy that way i think yeah yeah absolutely i mean and 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 that's another one of the great things about the arts you know we we talked a little bit about you being a writer um you get to uh explore characters who aren't you and and, and in particular you know if you're exploring if you're doing you know historical fiction like if you're a white author um but you came up with a fascinating story that takes place um, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, like in the 1850s in the South, and it deals with with slaves. And you're just like, well, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a slave, so I'm going to do a lot of research and I'm going to dive into it. And the main character is going to be a slave, and and this is like, yeah, you should be allowed to do that. And it probably and, and by doing that, you you as a white person will probably realize like, oh wow, I didn't realize that slavery just how bad it was. I didn't realize how bad um, blacks had it at the time. It's like we want that. We art can be such a unifying force by breaking down the barriers that separate us, in particular in in polite society. You know, for, and and the thing about art is that it's all it's it's abstraction. It's ideas. It's it lets you freely dive into different um, different personalities and different eras. Um, and you know, it helps us broaden the way we see each other and we see in the way we see the world. Um, so. It, 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 you know this whole woke thing. It's it's incredibly regressive. It's it it's it's sort of like um, stay in your laneism writ large, right? <laughs> I hate that term. Stay yeah. in your lane. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, okay. Now you're talking about it as, as an author, but I bring this up because there was an article. I think it was in either Newsweek or New the New Economist. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to ban. Uh, Cry the Far Country, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, Huck Finn, and I can't remember the other one. Huck Finn. The way I equate it is Huck is the United States. So Huck Mm. is coming of age, so is the United States. Mm. And that part where Huck is, he hears Jim crying, and he's crying for his family, and he's missing his family, and he wants to go back. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're... and Huck realizes, okay, well, this guy's a person just like me. You know, again, this is my interpretation of it, but it's, mm. you know, Mark Twain is saying, okay, well, America's realized what we did to the black people was wrong. Mm. People are people just like us. Yeah. And they deserve all those rights. I mean, like, it's, it is one of, it's, it's a really great portrayal of, you know, white and black America at that time. Yeah. And to, to deny kids the chance to read that 
I'm yeah. not saying force every kid to read it. I'm sorry, but sure, sure. But to deny them that chance and to say, well, this book is bad and it's racist when yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah, the character's called Nigger Jim, but what are you going to do? That's what that's you know that's how they spoke. I mean, it was on the I think it was Family Guy that did that. Um, it was just like you know Peter has a flashback and yeah. he's, he's he's Huck and, yeah. and, and there's Jim. He's like, what did you say? It's like that's our word. Don't say it. <laughs> Peter's like, yeah, sorry, N word, Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. That, Again, do you see that a lot? Like the first reaction is to cancel something? Like do you see all that a lot from like people you work with or like people in or and obviously I don't want to put you on the spot if like you're, sure, sure. yeah. But like do you see that a lot from like other musicians or just is that like getting more prevalent? Oh well if so and so said something, we're never hire them here again or never book them or never whatever, like do you do you see stuff like that or um yeah, I am I I, I do see some of that. Luckily the most of the creative people who who I hang out with are are you know, feel pretty similarly um, uh, as me when it comes to a lot of this woke stuff. But uh, um, you know, for example, um, I, I do have some friends who who work in the film industry. Um, you know, nobody big. It's not like I'm friends with Steven Spielberg or anything. But uh, um, but you know, people who who work you know behind the scenes. And a friend of mine told me about how um, BET um, the is it Black Entertainment Network yeah, or something like that yeah. television. Yeah. And, um, and how he knew someone who was going to be doing sound or camera work on a show on, on, on that network. And he's, he, he was Hispanic. And I guess they only allow blacks to, to, to do, to, to, you know, to work on the, on, on the crew. And, and we're like, yeah, but you know, he's, he's Latino and he's qualified. Like he'll give a shit. And, and I guess there's like a big thing. So yeah, it's, you know, I, you know that's just one example, but uh, yeah, I do hear a lot of stories um, of people working on, on film sets of, Oh, you know, somebody wore, you know, I, I, I saw someone wearing a MAGA hat this weekend. Oh, you know, should we, you know, should, should we not hire them for, for our next project sort of thing? I'm definitely hearing a lot of stories like that. Fine art subjective. Yeah. You know, you know, your favorite actors, like we could have different favorite actors but right if all of a sudden okay like okay replace uh was it chris pratt with jack black mm. hey i think jack black's funny i think you know he's, yeah. he's but i don't think he could have played you know okay like the guardians of the galaxy role i, I don't right, think right. I, he could have played that role like again you're you're limiting your scope of who you, your pool of who you can choose from exactly if you want to make a good movie like Okay, you know, you hear the horror stories about the actors who want all the only red M and M's and all that other crap, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. There, there's that. There's that aspect. You really want that, but if they're a good actor, but you know, they're pro life and they're a Trump supporter. Yeah. Don't you want the best actor for your movie? Like, you don't have to be best friends with them. They can sit in their trailer or whatever. Like, you don't have to hang out with them after the fact. Yeah, yeah. They do a good performance. Like that. That should be what matters. Like, I, I exactly. Just, like I still don't get that. We don't want to hire people who think the wrong way. Like I, yeah, no, exactly. And and and, and especially with film, um, you know, like it's 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 crazy how how here in in, in Southern California and in, in Hollywood and all that, um, you know, everyone here is 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 very progressive, um, and it blows me away because I, I you know being an old school liberal, I always thought that curiosity and creativity were 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 kind of associated with, with, with people who had more, you know, liberal politics. So for me, it's like, Oh, you, 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 believe this. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, like, you know, tell me more about your background. Like, where'd you grow up? Like, uh, it, it, it's just, it, it just kind of boggles the mind a little bit where it's like, how could you claim to be open-minded uh, 
uh, on so many issues, but if somebody voted differently than you, then that's enough for you to blacklist them uh, and to never want to work with them again. And it's like, like, don't you want that for a film? Don't you want a variety of, of perspectives? Don't you want someone who's got access to um, a different background uh, for, you know, when, when, they're, when they're portraying a certain role? Like, don't you want someone like that? Yeah, I mean, there's that, but there's also, I mean, like when you, you mentioned Southern California and like now yeah. you're, I know, I know it got voted down, but when you see something like Prop 16, now that was yeah. for schools. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that could, okay, so let's say that affects, um, you know, theater departments, music departments, yeah. and wherever. So, okay, I mean, I, I see it up here in Canada. We had a thing, there was a meeting in June or July, or a little online conference mm. about brown complicity and white fragility. <laughs> Uh, I was sorry. Oh, it, no, brown complicity and white supremacy. Sorry, not white fragility and white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you see, but you hear the same thing, like especially after the election. It was, you know, first AOC said that Hispanics were black. She said that before, mm. uh, before the election. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's like, oh well, these you know, these Latinx from Cuba are are white. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, white white <laughs> passing or like this whole thing, like white passing and. White adjacent, Latin, yeah. Yeah, no, but okay. White adjacent is one thing, mm. but white passing, like you, you can because you, you look white. Yeah, you, you don't really have the black experience, or you're not as dark as me, or yeah, your darker Latinos are more authentic. Mm. Yeah, and I, I and I you know, <laughs> and the term Latin, like I don't even know, is it Latinx or how the hell are you supposed to pronounce that? I've I've heard Latinx. Okay. Um, but I, and somebody was like, yeah, it's, uh, 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 Latinx. Like, I, it's just, yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just... <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. I speak French. French no. is a gendered language. So no. is Spanish. Yeah. So is Italian. I mean, most, most of the romance languages are gendered. It's just yeah. English that isn't. Yeah. Um, this stuff came out of universities in the United States and they are telling Spanish speaking people that your language is gendered and you have to change it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and they talk about decolonizing then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like here you are as a white person telling uh, 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 Latinos what to do with their language. It's like, excuse me, like, didn't the conquistadors do this? Like, what do you like, it just doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's ridiculous, man. It just, but like the the whole thing. I mean, like I'm seeing like again, I'm seeing it in education a lot. Um, there's a school out yeah. in Virginia, Thomas Jefferson where they're changing the standards and it's a, uh, it's a public high school as far as I, I could get that wrong, but it's, it's, it's like considered one of the best high schools in the United States. It's a high school for STEM students. It's um, so it's for advanced students. It's for, you know, like, um, like you do like advanced placement courses and all that kind of stuff. So it's like gifted, uh, gifted student um, school for gifted kids. Yeah. They want to change the admissions records. They want to change the way it's admitted because there's more, too many Asians will lead to white supremacy. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's the same thing in New York. You had, you had someone, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if she was a state legislature or if she was in the Department of Education, I can't remember. But she's, she basically said that Asians aren't the right kind of people of color. Mm, yeah. And it's... Wait, was that the school where that, 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 uh, that graph uh, was released recently that was making the rounds on Twitter and it said... You know, people of color and then whites and Asians or something like that. Oh, was no, that, that was, or was that different? Uh, okay, that was UCLA. I actually just oh, shared that. Okay. I just shared that again today, and it was 
Okay, you have to. Re- it just when you read it first up, it's really stupid. I'm not gonna really. I'm not gonna defend it, but if you read the fine print on it, yeah. they had like these columns going from left to right, so it's like black, brown, eight, you know, whatever, and then white, and then underneath the white, you had like Somali and Sudanese and all this other stuff. But it was whichever one you identified on the furthest left, so you mm-hmm. could be in multiple different places. Yeah. But if you have I, whichever one was the furthest left, that's what you should use or, or something along. But it's still stupid. Okay. How is Somali white now? <laughs> okay. Some guy from, you know, his family was part of colonization. His family's been there for, I don't know, five generations, six generations there. He's white, yeah. but he was born and raised there. His, you know, his, his, his parents, and his grandparents were born and raised there. Yeah, fine. That's a white Somali as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's what it is at that point. Yeah. But, you know, like Somali is not white. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. I see, I see it with uh, like a lot, like some uh, like Somalia when it, when concerning with Islam. It's like they consider Somalia an Arab country. I'm like, in what world is Somalia an Arab country? It's an Arab speaking country, right, right. But it's not an Arab country. Like, yeah, yeah, they're not Arabs. Yeah, yeah. But there's there a few things that really bug me about this stuff. It's one is the destruction of the language. Mm. We're losing really important words, yeah. and they they turn these words into jargon. And then they use them in common commonplace. Um, I mean, example I use is like a counter example I use is like mathematics. Proof in mathematics means something very specific. It doesn't mean like, you know, you say, uh, oh, I can, I can slam dunk, and I say prove it, and then you, yeah, go, you know, like, give me evidence, right? It, but mathematicians have a very very specific use for the term proof. Mm-hmm. But in daily use, they don't expect you to use it like they would, or they specify that they're using it like they are. You know, like critical race theorists or intersectionalists, they'll just use their jargon and expect you to know it. Exactly. And they're change they're changing commonplace words around. And like, I, like I said, that's one of the things I hate the most about what they do. It's just- yeah, I I feel your pain, and I, I actually have a quote here. And so this is from Leo Tolstoy. is from his book What Is Art, which was published in 1898. And so here he's talking about the word beauty because he, he, he noted that the, the same thing amongst uh, art critics, which is just, you know, everyone talks about how beautiful this painting is, but nobody knows what beautiful means. Anyway, so here's this great quote here. It's, as happens with everything, the more vague and confused the concept conveyed by a word, the greater is the aplomb and assurance with which people use the word, pretending that what is understood by this word is so simple and clear that it is not even worth talking about. And this is in 1898, but it's like... It, I, I, I wonder what the philosophical um, underpinnings of this are, or, 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 you know, like, what is it about, about humans versus like, like, yeah, you know, we all know what this word means. Don't question it because if you do, then you're an idiot. And well, now, now it's like, if, if you don't know what this word means, then you're a bigot. Right. But it's just like, yeah, there, there, there's just, yeah. the, 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 I definitely feel your, your frustration about the way they're killing language, especially being a writer, which is like, well, I think that's one of the ways that we measure, um, who makes a good writer, like how they use words. Like they chose this word over that word. Um, but now words can just mean whatever the hell we want. And it's like, that, do you not understand the importance of language? Yeah. And I mean, or, you know, you can't say that word. Yeah. That's, you know, okay. The, the change of the words really bugs me. Like, it's, like there's the destruction of language, but then with that, you have, you're not allowed using that word. Only so be these people can use that word yeah. or, um, you know, that word can only be defined one way. Mm-hmm. Now, that kind of contradicts what I just said, but I mean, I, th- I think like for a concept like racism, mm-hmm. now you can then define, because I know they added that definition in, um, was it Webster's? 
Um, they, they right, where they added systemic. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, but they also said it's pre, uh, power plus prejudice. Yeah. Yeah. They put that in now. Now, if you want to have a definition of okay, individual racism and systemic racism, because I mean, the, the term is there now, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So someone calling me a you know, racial slur, someone like calling me a packy or whatever, something like that. Yeah, that's individual yeah. racism. Now, if there's a law or something in place that holds me back because I'm brown, mm. yes, yeah, fine. You can use. So, I mean, like, I, if you want to clarify what the words mean, like, I haven't, there, there should be no issue with adding that systemic racism. Right. Um, I have a problem of the definition changing to power plus prejudice, not because of, you know, words change because of use in society, not from the top down. Words always change from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah. This top-down change of words, like um, the other one was uh, when Amy Con- uh, Coney Barrett was up and someone said, or I think she said sexual preference. Yeah, exactly. Then the very the next day, they yeah, changed it to the, offensive. It, no. I mean, like, okay, that's scary. Yeah. That really scares me. Um, I'd been joking around with a friend of mine a couple years back, and I said, you know, I don't trust e-readers. And he's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? I said, you know, I have one. I, I worked overseas. They're great. You know, I got a yeah. thousand books on it. But I, when, when I came back, I started buying all the books in hardcover because mm. I want them in hardcover. Yeah. And I was joking about it. I said, okay, let's say, you know, this thing with Huck Finn. So all of a sudden it's deemed that you can't say nigger anymore because you can't say nigger, Jim, because you can't say the word nigger anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon puts out an update for all their Kindles. The next time your Kindle updates, yeah. if you own Huck Finn, every time it says nigger Jim, it gets changed to N-word Jim. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, it's possible to do. It's it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, like, they started doing it. Disney started doing it with, um, at least they're only putting uh, statements in front of some of the movies, like Song of the South and this and that. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Which, okay, I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, fine. Back then, people spoke like this, and it's, you're giving some context that's okay but yeah yeah we'll pull gone with the wind off hbo max it's right like, okay well come on yeah like she, she was the first black woman to win an oscar like you're just you're racing that like, yeah like that's the kind of stuff that you know like that scares me like like i said that i don't trust ebooks i just don't anymore like, yeah I, I haven't for a couple of years like i i want everything in hardcover Unless, okay, like this summer I read uh, when Rubin's book came, David Rubin's book came out just because I saw a really stupid review. I had to read it because yeah, yeah. just like the review was so dumb. I'm like, I got to read this book. I, yeah, bought yeah. That as an, I bought that as an e-book and if it gets lost, whatever, I don't care. Right, you know, right. like, I've never, but you know, like yeah, conspiracy theory or whatever, maybe I'm getting too paranoid, but that is a legitimate concern. Like yeah. at any point they want, they can change digital text. Yeah. And if it's in your library that you own that book, they give you an update, it's changed. Yeah. You know, that's scary. It is, and it's especially scary for for uh, fiction writers um, because you know I, I have this idea about art that you know it should be like a deeply personal um, expression. So so even if the work that you produce is deeply offensive to me, like that's fine. Let me decide if it's offensive to me or not. Um, but I don't want other people going in and mangling it and watering it down because it's no longer a work of art now. And now it's, it's just a work made by committee, right? And so when it gets to like this digital manipulation thing, like what if um, you know a writer puts out a, a work that's very subversive um, and exploitative and, 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 and maybe it is deeply offensive, but at the same time, it's like, let 
the, let the audience decide if it's offensive. I, like, don't go in and start man manipulating it and changing it and watering it down because then it's just like, well, then what's the point? What's the point of reading, of reading a good novel if, it's, if you had you know, a bunch of sort of faceless um, suits coming in and changing things? It's like, well, what, you're sucking all the fun and, and all the risk um, of, of enjoying you know, um, outright art, right? Yeah, and I mean, and, and what you said there, like letting you decide. Yeah. To me, that's the crux of the free speech issue. Okay, yes, my right to go and blab, that's important. Yeah. Right. But more important than that is the audience's right to either walk away and not listen to me. Yeah. Or to, it's, it's their right to choose. So my right to choose what I want to listen to, what I want to hear. Um, and this is, I mean, obviously, if you have children in your care and you decide, you know, until they're adults, you decide what, what's appropriate for them. And that's, you know, that, yeah. that's your right as a guardian or a parent. Yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, like, as far as adults go, I think I have the right to watch what I want. And then, you know, people are going to start going, oh, well, you know, you want to watch death threats or snuff films or whatever. I, yeah. you know, the limits I put on what people can say are the limits that are in the First Amendment. It's just yeah. imminent, immediate th threat of violence. So, like, I don't want, I yeah, know, death threats are not an opinion. Death threats right. are not art. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, like child porn is a child being raped. That's not art. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. They're, 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 you know, snuff films are, are murder. Like, you, you know, like they're, there's right, only, right. Yeah. You know, so what, but yeah, like whatever is allowed by the, the statutes of speech, it should be my decision whether I want it. Now, granted, like you go into like, you know, show business, it is a business. Yeah. You know, Firefly, people love that show. It didn't do well. Network dropped it. Yeah. That's a business decision. Yeah, people should get that. That's not censorship. That's, yeah. you know, you like all these other shows. If we keep this show on, something else is going to go, and this doesn't make money. That does. So we're going to keep what makes money. Like that. That makes sense to me. You know? Right. And then you know, there are also you know uh, business and contractual obligations for a filmmaker to deliver a film that's no higher than a PG thirteen. It's like well, when when it gets to an R rating, then you know that, that limits the, the number of people who can watch it. So, so it's like, okay, all right, fine. That's that's a business saying we can make more money if it's PG thirteen because then children will still be able to see it. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's you know again, and you know that's not that's not censorship either. Yeah. No, but okay. Also, like I mean, like I remember when I was fourteen because I think I mean, think back then it was the eighties. Like before the PG thirteen came in, it was like. Uh, general than 14 and over yeah so you know that's when you had all the stupid little you know high school teenage movies and you could catch a glimpse of like you know boobies Boob, on screen yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're 14 like, so yeah, yeah. those were like you know we would look for oh don't watch this movie because of sexualization or whatever. like all right yeah, let's yeah. Watch, you know, like, we'll watch this like it was, yeah yeah so in some ways it's the opposite it's yeah it will attract Okay, and I'm not saying okay, do it to attract, you know, do it to make make the controversy like, um, you know, what happened with Jordan Peterson. A lot of people are saying, oh, he just started the controversy because he wants to sell more of his books. It's like, okay, right, well, right, that controversy is going to sell it. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, there has been times when you start it, but I'm just saying, like, just putting that out there and creating that fuss and, you know, oh my God, you're going to see this and that and. And more than half the time, like when they make a fuss about a movie and you will watch it. And I was like, eh, what was the big deal? Yeah. Joker is a great example of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh? Yeah. I mean, or um, was it Black Swan? 
there was like a big to do made about that as well. And it was just like, okay, I was in Afghanistan. I watched it and I was like, meh. Yeah. I don't know what the, you know, I can understand a movie like Last Tango in Paris when people right. were talking about it because that came out in like 72. You watch it now. Yeah. It's not, compared to what's out there now, it's not that graphic. Yeah. So I can yeah. understand when it came out why it caused an uproar because you hadn't seen that before or yeah. okay go back even further like i understand why lady chatterley's lover caused an uproar when it was first published right you know the norms but you got to look at when it was written but also like like today it's not as bad as it was when it first came out no it, it, it it's it, it, it's an interesting point and it's something that i i've been thinking and and writing a lot about um about like you know uh, there's there's an absolute refusal to learn from the mistakes of the past because because i you know um, a lot of the great works of art and pop culture that we study and revere today um, were, were controversial in their own time. And when we learn about those controversies, like we laugh at them. Like we go, oh, that's so silly. People were uptight because they said this word or because they had some nudity or because they had some violence. So that's, that's, that's nothing compared to what we see today. So it's easy for us to laugh and, 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 and really just, you know, just roll our eyes at how ridiculous people were back then. And it's like, but don't you guys realize now that, you know, um, you know for example, uh, people go after uh, Bill Burr or Dave Chappelle for, for, for making jokes that are offensive. And it's like, yeah, but, 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 you know, comedians have a history of being, um, being attacked. So, you know, um, in the early sixties, we had Lenny Bruce who had been arrested four times for obscenity. And, but, but the stuff that he was making jokes about is really tame compared to what you could say now. Like he made jokes about like you know, sucking dick or something like that. Mm. But back then in the early sixties, that was deeply offensive. But now, but it's like we needed Lenny Bruce to come along and kick open those doors to pave the way for what comedians can do to now, can can do now. So even you know someone like you know Amy Schumer, it's like you know Amy Schumer wouldn't be here um, if it weren't for Lenny Bruce or Phyllis Diller. Or, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, but okay, but like what I was trying to get at was, so Lady Chatterjee's Lover, when it it was banned for puritanical reasons mm. when it was written, yeah, because that was the mores of the time. Right now, it's being banned now because. Um, J.H. Lawrence was racist or something like that, like for, for, for other reasons, right? Right, right. Okay, at the time, I'm not defending the guy, but like, you know, there was a certain way people thought. Don't judge the person by the way they thought according to their time. Yeah. Whereas, like, don't ban a certain book now because, okay, Dave Chappelle, don't ban Dave Chappelle now. Yeah. Because in 30 years, they might look at Dave Chappelle and say, oh my God, what a racist asshole. Yeah. No. Right? Okay. No, because... You can't judge that. In thirty years, they might say, "Okay, you guys were stupid." They probably will say that, but you know, like, yeah, yeah. But like, like that kind of thing. Like, I think you have to, and you don't have to. Like, again, Huck Finn, mm. Twain writing that book and using, you know, the word "nigger." Yeah, you have to understand he did it because of when he wrote. Yeah, and then so you can't ban that book because it's got it in it. So you have to look at those things. And I mean, you kind of have to judge it by its time. Like I, I, I don't think anything, you know, anything we do today, 30, 40 years from now, they're going to look back at it going like, oh my God. Um, I'll give you another example. And it's uh, drag kit, like drag story time for kids. Right, right. I personally, if you have a kindergarten class or a grade one class and you inform the parents and it's just someone in drag coming in to read to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, kids play dress up 
Is it yeah. grown up playing dress up? There should be no issue with that. Now, if a parent wants to take the kid out of that class for that one day or whatever, that's up to the parent. Yeah. Right? But I, it, yeah. I still think it should be informed. But a drag, like a drag queen coming in or a person drag coming in doing uh, like a fake birth or a strip tease yeah. and stuff like that. That's where I draw the line. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, so someone could say to me, well, you know, 30 years from now, they're going to think you were pretty backwards because you didn't want to show kids that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I don't think a kindergartner fully understands that. Right, right. right. Like you can tell a kindergartner that that's, yes, that's a man playing dress up because sometimes when, you know, you say, oh, how can you say it's offensive to say playing dress up? But you're trying to explain it to a kid like they would understand, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. That's a, that's a grown man who likes to dress up like women and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's okay for people to do that. You like to play dress up, you know, blah, blah. and you can explain it to a kid like that. Like it's not a yeah. problem. Yeah. But to, for someone to hold me to a standard of what someone's going to think 30 years from now or a hundred mm. years from now or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know what those standards are. Maybe in a hundred years, they're going to think you are the sick person for trying to do that to kids. Who knows? Yeah. Who yeah. knows yeah. which way society is going to go. Right. Again, like I said, I sh there shouldn't be a problem with someone in drag coming in reading to kids. Yeah. There should be a problem. Or I think you should see at least some problem in someone in drag pretending to be coming out of, you know, a birth canal on a vagina in front of a bunch of kids. Right. And right. And reading to them. I think they're, those are two separate, you know, two separate things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's um, uh, 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 getting back to, to, to uh, uh, judging people um, on the mores of the time. You know, one of my favorite authors is H.P. Lovecraft, um, who was deeply racist. Uh, and, um, and, 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 you know, the racism does appear in, in, in numerous of his stories. Um, but at the same time, when you look at the people who were influenced by Lovecraft, so you have, you know, like filmmakers, John Carpenter and Sam Raimi, um, and bands like Metallica and Black Sabbath and, and even authors like Neil Gaiman and Stephen King, none of the people who were influenced by Lovecraft turned out to be racist. None of them have a history of racism. So I'm fine, you know, if, if you're teaching Lovecraft to a class and saying, hey, you know, this is, you know, and, and adding some historical context around it. Like this is the, this is the racism that was informing some of the stories. Like you, can have, you can have an academic yeah. conversation around that. But I'm still seeing a lot of articles, you know, I, I'm really into, into the horror genre. And so, so I often go to horror websites. I'm still, I'm still seeing so many articles talking about why Lovecraft is problematic and why we need to, um, you know, that, that there, are other art, there are other authors um, who, who explore cosmic horror in a better way than Lovecraft can. So let's move away from Lovecraft. And it's like the only way, the, the, Lovecraft's um, racism, the only reason why it's still alive is because critics keep bringing it up. Like his racism had no real demonstrable effect on the people who were inspired yeah. by his work. So why do you need to get this? Like, again, like we can bring up his racism, but it's like constantly doing it and saying, we, we, we need to stop teaching Lovecraft. We need to stop reading Lovecraft. We need to move away from Lovecraft as an influence. It's like, sorry, he's an important writer. We can ignore the racism and just focus on the talent. And also it's like, we, we, I laugh at, his, at, at Lovecraft's racism. You know, he was, he was a hardcore Anglophile um, living in New England. So it's just like, yeah, like this guy was an uptight prude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'm fine laughing at that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, okay forget racism for a second or, or any of this like uh newton yeah newton wrote a lot more about alchemy than he did about mathematics or physics mm. now you know him you know him because of his laws of motion you know him because of like you know the prism and all that the the, the, the apple falling on the, the you know on his head and all people yeah, know yeah. Him, people know him because of that mm. he's not known for his alchemy right you know right. like there's no 
maybe there is somewhere an alchemy society that's devoted to Newton. I have no <laughs> idea. But yeah, yeah. Lawrence Krauss or Einstein or Stephen Hawking or yeah. Brian Cox, you know, any, any famous physicist today, when they talk about Newton, they talk about his, you know, accomplishments in physics. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the same thing here with Lovecraft. Like, you know, it's the same thing with any of these people. I mean, I don't think Shakespeare would have been exactly progressive today. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> right, but, right. You know, well, I mean, Cambridge wanted to get rid of Shakespeare because it's too uh, too white, but whatever. That's a whole other. Story. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like now, if Lovecraft specifically went out of his way to make his books racist invectives, I could see something about that. Okay, yeah, you sure. know what? Yeah, yeah. You can again. You can use that as a a comparative thing. Okay, you know, in the history of the genre or whatever, this is what this is how people thought, and like, there's still a way to teach it. If he was a racist piece of crap, but he wrote good books, mm. you know, maybe in the time you don't, you know, like, okay, I don't want to support someone right now. I'm not going to buy his books, but he's racist. But mm. if a hundred years from now, those books, people are like, oh, these are really good books. They bought some importance to the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's not making any money off of it. So who's it hurting? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure like any, any of his uh, descendants, they, 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 they probably disavow his racism. But uh, I mean, but uh, uh, that's the thing of, of like, you know, how dare Lovecraft not leap out of his skin and, and adopt 21st century uh, progressive attitudes. It's like, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're only as progressive as we are in, in our current era. Like we can't, we can't just go back and, and, and hold everyone to that same exact standard. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's just it too. Like, I mean, the, the rules change so fast now that what was acceptable yesterday is no longer acceptable today. And I mean, it's, mm. you know, like sexual preference it took 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, but I, okay. I, I've tried, I've tried to explain some of this stuff to my mom mm. and she just looks at me. And, okay. And my mom's, I don't know how old my mom's, she's like 75. Mm. And she looks at me like, you're crazy. Like, yeah. Have you tried explaining this to your folks or anything like that? Or uh, yeah, uh, um, luckily my parents aren't really online, so 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 they're not exposed to this sort of thing. But uh, um, it has been brought up a little bit in in, in conversations about about politics. Um, my, uh, uh, my parents are Democrats, and and you know they're they're, they're old school liberals. And and so so when they go sometimes they'll go on on some rants about Trump, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of Trump. So yeah, sure, I, you know, Trump's stupid, whatever. Um, but then I'm like, but then I tell them, yeah, but have you guys seen the Democratic Party lately? Like, have you seen some of the ideas that are coming out of them? And, and I tell them a lot, a lot of crazy intersectional stuff. And like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I can see why a working class person would want to vote for Trump over. over yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And and that's the thing about about a lot of, a lot about uh, about this woke stuff is that it's not representative of of the average person. It's not even representative of the average left wing person. Um, it's, 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 you know, it really is like a cult. Like, it's like these super extreme ideas that are held by a handful of people. Except this, this cult, it's not just some weird conspiracy things. Like these people do have a lot of institutional power. Yeah. And it's now it's okay. I'm, I'm, I worry about that. Like in Canada, it's, yeah. we're a lost cause because of our goddamn prime minister. I mean, we have a ministry of diversity, inclusion, and youth. One I of the mandate, uh, one of the, money, man. <laughs> yeah, but one of the mandates of that ministry is to set up an anti-racist secretariat for the government. Ugh. So, yeah, like, so, so Kendi's dream is 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 take uh, is uh, coming oh yeah, to life yeah, now in Canada. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's it's uh, okay. But 
that ministry used to be the ministry of multiculturalism and then they renamed it after the last election to diversity inclusion and youth um, oh, if i was in the states i would be reaching out to as many people as i knew as many people as i could and try to get like a coalition or something to put pressure onto biden to yeah. keep trump's executive order yeah. because yeah. you know what i mean i think that's a good bulwark against this stuff um mm. again you're going to need to start fighting back against the stuff in K through 12. You yeah. Know, like I know people are looking at the Academy and it's okay. It's got to get fixed, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like it's, there's, there's, there's just too much of it right now. I, I just worry yeah. about like, like, like when you're talking about like these people have power now, like they, they do, they, like they're, they're universities. Yeah. They've got government power. Now they're, you know, like AOCs, like or whatever the squad, like it's like, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not I don't want to put, lift her up is so much but you know she's touted yeah. as the future of the democratic party and whatever right like, you know. and notice how, how we're being very specific about how we how we use the word power right like we're talking yeah. about like institute we're talking about specific industries we're talking about specific yeah. you know universities yeah. but but as opposed to the way um power is used in, in woke oh. circles which is just like oh power he's in a position of power blacks don't have any power in the u.s like what are you talking about we had a black president for eight years like we have a lot of black and the number of black politicians and black CEOs is increasing. Like, what, what, what power are you talking about? It's just like this weird, vague, nebulous thing uh, that some people are just born with and everyone else doesn't have. It's, it's, it's such a bizarre concept. Yeah. No, no, but, I mean, but again, there you go. Like the, the watering down of the language. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just, it's you. Oh, okay. Like the, the election thing. Because the, the, mm. I, I, I put a little thing about it because I was you know, just going back and forth on Twitter with a couple of people about this. But yeah. Okay, first of all, I think what Trump is doing is wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is horrendous and it is, you know, like it is causing a lot of distrust and everything. But mm. you had four years of mainstream media and the Democrats saying the Russians stole the election. Yeah. There's an interview with Hillary Clinton, like I think September of October of this year, where she said, oh, Trump basically stole. I mean, like it's the quote is Trump basically stole the election from me. Yeah. yeah. You know, November November of last year, you had Pelosi saying Trump will steal the election. Mm. Okay, Trump, you, you gave Trump a loophole. You spent four years saying election isn't safe; they're easy to steal. Yep. I mean, the guy is just a grifter, and he'll take any loophole, anything he can get, you know, his hands on. He'll use. Yep. So he yep. exploited that. It's like, yeah, I think what he's did is, I think what he did is, what he's doing is worse than what they did. I'm not saying that what they did was good. Right, right. But if you're know, like a sitting president actually trying to actively use some technicalities and shenanigans to try to steal away the, you know, the election, I think that there are some problems. I think Biden won. I think, again, that's the way it's going to come out. Now, what I'm going to say next, people, some people are going to say, well, you're kind of crazy. But if you want to start rebuilding trust, like no one trusts mainstream media. And I think you're a fool if you do. Right. You know? right. I don't trust Twitter to put those little things like this is, oh, yo, this is not the full story. Those little warnings they put out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell, they, they were they were letting Khomeini in Iran tweet about Holocaust denial. And they didn't put up <laughs> one of those warnings. And when they were called on it, they're like, oh, well, this is going to generate conversation. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like, I don't trust any of these assholes. So, right. Right. If you want to get trust back in like at least the electoral system, mm. I don't care like how this thing plays out. I don't care whatever. I, you know, like I said, I think Biden's going to end up winning. Like Biden won as far as I'm concerned. I'm not, you know, let 2020 give us another twist. I don't care. Right, we'll right. see what happens. But 
So Biden gets in. I think you need an independent audit of the whole goddamn system. Mm. And like there was, uh, I think Aereo magazine put out a list of like 14 people. Um, they'd all written articles about why you should vote Biden, not Trump. If you were worried about woke. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see those 14 people. And like some of the people in the Harper's letter, because some mm. of them are journalists instead of spending the next four years about Trumpism and how you don't want another Trump. Yeah. Hold the other media, like hold the New York times to account yeah. when Joe Biden screws up and the New York times doesn't do it. Yeah. Point it out. Like, cause I, I mean, a lot of these people are, I, I trust them. Like I trust journalists. I don't trust journalism anymore. I, yeah. So these are people. And so again, maybe this is my bias, whatever. I trust these people. Right. So I think that would do a service to holding the media to account. Mm. Like, like I said, this, an independent audit of the election system, even though if I, I don't think that anything really untoward happened. I yeah. think if you look into it, you'll find the same very small amount of fraud you get in every election. Like I think there's a little, like a tiny, yeah, tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny. Like, sure, you know, sure. Not, okay. You know, and you'll find that. But yeah. that will gain some trust back. If you have these people holding the media and hold Breitbart to account, hold Fox news to account, hold them all yeah. to account. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for four years, if these people want to really make a difference, I mean, that's the way we should be, you know, and people are going to go, well, how can you tell people what to write? I don't want to tell people what to write. That's my opinion. I think if you're concerned about building back trust, build yeah. it back this way, like yeah. actually yeah. hold, hold like these old dinosaur institutions to account. Like, and they need to be held to account. Some of these places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to talk too much about this uh, just because I'm not an expert, but, uh, uh, but I do have uh, 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 kind of uh, a suspicion that, that the media will be very critical of Biden in a lot of ways, but I don't think that they're going to be critical of his policies. I think they're going to be critical of like stupid nitpicky things. It's going to be like uh, Biden's cabinet wasn't diverse enough or something like that. Like you're, you're going to get a lot of dumb. So, yeah. But what about his policies though? The things that actually affect us, like, are, are, can we talk about that? Like, no, no, okay, that's what I mean. Like, like so that list, that list that uh, Ario had done, it'd been like people like um, Andy Sullivan, yeah, um, Yasha Monk, I think Kathy mm. Young. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Okay, Andrew Sullivan actually is doing, has written a couple of pieces like this recently. So I think mm. you know, I think he's going to be doing stuff like that. But I'm talking about them should hold holding the New York Times to account when the New York Times talks about how diverse, you know. Biden's can't because that's already happening, right? Oh, yeah. well, it has to, all you need less white men here, or all his communication staff was all women, even yeah. though that's what Trump had as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, so that's what I mean. Like, all these people on that list, or some of the people on the, the Harper's letter, and I'm not saying that's the only thing she should be doing because these people are talented and they can, you know, they write good pieces, they write about, but at least some of the time, hold the media to account, like, yeah, yeah, show the people somewhere that there is something that's going to hold these assholes to account. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Washington post writing a headline about Al Baghdadi saying he was an austere Muslim scholar when he died. <laughs> right, I mean, right. you know, and like the racism thing, like I, I again, I, I keep, you focus on racial identity and you're, you know, and you're wondering why there's a rise in white supremacy. No. New York times wrote an article or it was an op-ed piece in 2019 Four black girls got beaten up by two South Asian boys. Uh, one of the South Asian boys pissed on the black girls. Mm. The headline in the op-ed was uh, 
is something along the lines. It was blaming whiteness for this. <laughs> the the South Asian kids had internalized whiteness, and that's why they were talking to black girls. Right, right. Okay, you know, if I'm a white person, and I'm reading that. It's like fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I am a guy who just got into college and my hometown is going bankrupt because a coal mine closed. Yeah. And you, you get on a scholarship or something and you've got like basically no money and you're being told that you're privileged and blah, 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 blah. And you're the worst person in the world. And you start reading shit like that. Right. Right. You no. Know, okay. I can understand why someone like that might go join the KKK or some white supremacist group. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not defending what the person's actions are. I'm sure, sure. understand why they might do it. Yeah. So like, if you're seriously worried about white supremacy, okay, you can Department of Homeland Security or you know, whoever can go out tomorrow and they can arrest every KKK member. Yeah, yeah. They could squash that in a couple of days. Like, yeah. okay, maybe, maybe more than a couple of days, but, you know, they could get rid of all, of, like, they know a lot of where these places are. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, obviously, they're, you know, they're not going to do it, but, I mean, if you don't stop that coming out of schools, it's... It's like, oh, we defeated ISIS. No, you didn't. You still got the madrasas. You still got Al-Hazar University. You still got Khom and Najaf in Iran. Like, yeah. you know, people are coming out with this mentality. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, that's why, I mean, like, I'm just, I look at all this. And I, I, I'm glad there's people working on different pieces because there's so much of it. I mean, like, no. you know. Like my focus, I think, if I was going to focus on anything, that's kind of what I'm trying to do, like, especially, like, when I'm collecting information is, where it's going on in schools like yeah yeah like I, I, like that where that's the thing that scares me the most anyways look yeah. man, i don't want to keep you too long so i was just gonna that's say right. like, uh i'll give you the last word talk about anything you want to talk about where you go yeah okay. sure um one thing i want to talk uh, about is is what um uh, some ways that, that we can fight wokeness uh, and and I'll keep it focused on the arts since that, that that's that's kind of you know my expertise. But but I, I think that there that there are a few things that that people across the board here can 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 do. Um, one is like I want to see more artists. You know, kind of like what you're talking about. Like like you know where where we see parents you know building coalitions uh, to to like fight this stuff going on in in in, in uh, elementary schools. I want to see artists do this. Um, in various arts organizations, um, you know, and, and keep in mind when I say the arts, I'm talking broadly here. So film, novel, you know, literature, et cetera. Um, uh, I want to see more, more artists get together, especially those who either they've been canceled or they're afraid of getting canceled. Because I think, I, I think that when we build a critical mass of, of creatives um, saying, look, you can't cancel all of us. I think that we can actually start to make some meaningful change here. And I also want to do it in a way that's, that's apolitical. Like it's, it's, it's not about, you know, getting, you know, only conservative artists or only liberal artists or whatever. Um, if anything, like I, I want to depoliticize the arts um, and, and because, you know, arts can be such a, a unifying force. Um, and I think there are, there are a few different ways that, that we can do this. One, I think, is like, you know, I want to see more artists. Um, I, I hate using this phrase. I was going to say educate themselves. But, oh. <laughs> but so uh, uh, they should uh, uh, try to dive more into, you know, the, 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 the theoretical and philosophical elements of, of, of wokeness and see that um, it's, it's, it's not this sort of bleeding heart you know, classical liberal thing that, that they thought it was, you know, I, James Lindsay has this great quote, uh, whatever wokeness tries to do, liberalism can do better. Um, but, you know, we, we, we need to like really start thinking about the future of the arts here. It's, 
when people are afraid to go out and communicate and share their ideas, like we're going to have a very bland, colorless, uh, artistic future. Um, I read something yesterday about that. Postmodernism wanted to dismantle truth and beauty, and that's why postmodern postmodern art is so ugly. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 awful, man. Like I, I agree with you there. Like we have to get rid of this stuff. Yeah. Okay, and again here's my piece on that. Like mm. when I say we have to get rid of it. Okay. I don't want to taught in schools the same way. I didn't want, um, you know, intelligent design and stuff taught in school. Like I don't want yeah, fundamentalist yeah. Islam forming the curriculum for K through 12. Right. I right. don't want evangelical Christianity. I don't, I don't want, you know, like, I don't want that. Like in the yeah. same reason, I don't want this stuff. Uh, you can teach it. Like I think when, once kids are older, like you, you know, if they get into high school and stuff, you can have some discussions about critical race theory and like what identity means and like mm. you have yeah. a focus on ra- you know race-based identity politics or like you know should you put social significance on race mm. and you could talk about things like identity politics like yeah i don't want to make it forbidden knowledge yeah but i don't want it forming the basis of the curriculum right like, that, that's yeah. that's kind of where it, like, it's the same thing with like teach them islam in school teach them christianity in school yeah. Teach them what it is. Yeah. You know, don't indoctrinate them into it. Don't, you know, whatever, but right. don't hide, don't hide it from them. But I, I, I don't think like there's a book uh, that they're teaching in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's they're teaching it to little kids, uh, kindergarten mm. to kids in kindergarten. Mm. And it's, uh, it's called not my idea. And there's a contract in the book. There's a page in the book that says whiteness is a contract with racism. <laughs> and they're te- they're te- like, I'm sorry like, you, can, you can teach kindergartners mm-hmm. Don't treat people differently Based on how they look Right exactly like, That's an easy lesson to teach kindergartners And I, everyone should be on board with that right? Yeah so, yeah Okay that should be fine But there's no way kindergartners Are going to understand that contract With racism bullshit yeah, yeah, I mean, and that whole book is kind of like how to be an anti-racist baby or whatever, <laughs> where it gets where it, it tells kids that race is the most important thing. Right, right. Like, like I said, like I said, like I said, I saw that's that's where my thing is. We we need to acknowledge it. We need to let it. Like I said, you, I don't want it forced out. I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. like that. But I want it at least out of K through twelve education. Like I don't think it should be there. Right. And if anything, um, you know, uh, uh, seeing how bad it's getting in, in, in colleges and, 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 and in elementary schools, it makes me appreciate the education that I had <laughs> much more as much as I hated it. But, uh, you know, for example, when I was in college, um, I took an intro to philosophy class and we had a conversation in there that I don't imagine uh, would be possible to have nowadays. But back then, we, we, we dedicated a whole class to debating abortion. Um, and, you know, at the time, I didn't, I didn't care much about abortion. I, I, I just, I wasn't very interested in, in the subject. Mm-hmm. But, but the way that the professor taught it, I thought w- w- was very effective, which is like, okay, let, let's discuss these, these, what he did was he gave us two essays, one that was pro-life and then that was pro-choice. He gave it to us. And then the, the next day in class, we, 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 we talked about the valid points of each. And, you know, he would just ask, okay, so who wants to, which of you think that the, the pro-choice uh, argument was better Then a few kids would raise their hands and then he'd ask them why. And he goes, okay, well then let's talk about the pro-life. Who, who thought pro-life was better? Then like, a few kids would raise their hands. And then, so he was constantly, he's constantly jerking us back and forth. I mean, in a good way about like, you know, which side is, is, is valid and which isn't. But I remember that class, nobody got emotional. Nobody complained about it. We were just sitting there talking and, and people weren't talking over each other. We would all raise our hands and then, and then they would go. 
And it's just like, at the time I thought it was just like, yeah, it's just class. We're just talking about philosophy, who cares? But now I'm like, wow, that's kind of a rarity nowadays, man. Um, teaching kids, um, young people, both sides of a, of a touchy subject. Yeah, no, that's, it wouldn't happen anymore. They, they no. just, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't expose them to something that might harm their fragile little minds. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, man, like I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to keep you too long. If you want to let people know where they can get a hold of you, um, mm -hmm. I'll, put the, I'll put links to your, your contact info and like your Medium articles and stuff. Sure. If you have anything else sent along my way, I'll, I'll put the links in the description. All right, cool. Yeah, so um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joe Garza Creates, and my publication on Medium is called The Reckless Muse. All right, cool. Well, anyways, thanks a lot, Joe. It was good talking yeah. to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, let's do it again sometime, man. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, for listening.